thought I'd go and have a look at Jewish literature to see what they say about their origins. And here we see three quotes. And the first is in the 1925 Jewish Encyclopedia, which says that Esau, Edom, is modern Jewry. And of course, this is contrary to what most people believe today, which is that the Jews are God's chosen people because they are the Israelites. But here, the Jewish literature is saying that they are actually from the tribe of Edom, not the tribe of Israel. In the Jewish Almanac in 1980, it says, strictly speaking, it is incorrect to call an ancient Israelite a Jew or to call a contemporary Jew an Israelite or Hebrew. And that's because, truthfully speaking, they're not the Hebrews or Israelites, they are really the Edomites. And also, we see here in the Encyclopedia Judaica, that Edomite Jews began to call themselves Hebrews and Israelites in 1860. Hey, what's up? First of all, I just want to say thank you for all the people that's listening and chiming in. You didn't have to do it, but you did it anyway. So I appreciate you doing that. Hopefully that way if we can learn how to agree to disagree and we can live like people. When I make the hard topics, I say the hard things, I make the thing itch scratch. So if your itch is not scratching and you're scratching on the itch, maybe you need to look yourself in the mirror. So I'm not here for no drama. I'm not here for no nothing. Just to learn, learn, learn and edify. This is from learning situations only. So I'm not here to get anybody's hairs up. So again, thank you. And hopefully we can agree to disagree. Can we just talk? Can we just talk? Talk about before we get lost, let me your thoughts. Can't get what we do without knowing. Quickly become the most viewed article on KSEK.com, and it's only been on our website since late last night. Our I-team has learned the United States military conducted secret tests on thousands of people in St. Louis. Ryan Dean joins us from the area where the testing was most prominent. He breaks down the I-team report. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Jennifer. I am standing where the once infamous Pruitt-Igo housing complex once stood. It was torn down in the 70s, but at one time it was home to 10,000 low-income people. And according to research that will go public... Uh, this is where most of the testing happened back in the 50s and 60s. Now, a sociologist professor at St. Louis Community College, Lisa Martina Taylor, has made it her life's work to uncover details of the Army's ultra-secretive experiments carried out in St. Louis. She says the Army sprayed zinc cadmium sulfide into the air. She claims people living at the complex unknowingly inhaled this compound morning, noon, and night so the government could measure its effects on their lungs. The cover story back then was the Army was testing smoke screens to protect tech cities from the Russian attack during the Cold War. Now the truth, according to Martino Taylor, was it was much more sinister than that. Pretty shocking. Um, the level of duplicity and secrecy. Um, um, clearly they went to great lengths to deceive people. Okay. Professor says what happened.
happened, uh, what the Army did back in the 50s and 60s here in St. Louis violated medical ethics and its military's own policies. Now, what I urge you to do is go on ksdk.com. A more in-depth piece is there. You'll see by the I-team. It was done last night. It will lay out everything that uh, this, this report talks about. That's on ksdk.com under headlines. Now, if you are interested in hearing from Martino Taylor, she's actually doing a presentation tonight at the Merrimack campus, and that's at 3.30. More information on that is also going to be found on ksdk.com. That is the very... 1952, Pope Nicholas V wrote down these words, invade, search out, capture, vanquish, and subdue all Saracens and pagans whatsoever. Reduce their persons to perpetual slavery. Convert them to his and their use and profit. These are the words in a papal bull written in 1452, and this papal bull, along with others between 1452 and 1493, collectively became known as what we call the Doctrine of Discovery. The Doctrine of Discovery is the series of papal bulls. It's essentially the church in Europe saying to the nations of Europe, wherever you go, whatever lands you find not ruled by Christian rulers, those people are less than human, and the land's yours for the taking. This was the doctrine that allowed European nations to go into Africa, colonize the continent, and enslave the African people. This is also the doctrine that let Columbus, who was lost at sea, land in a new world already inhabited by millions and claim to have discovered it. You cannot discover lands that are already inhabited. Right? If you don't believe me, leave your laptops, your cell phones, your car keys in front of you, and I will come by and discover them for you. That's stealing, right? That's conquering, that's conquest, that's colonizing. It's not discovery. The fact that to this day, we celebrate that Columbus discovered America reveals the implicit racial bias of our nation. Natives are not fully human. This, of course, makes the doctrine of discovery a systemically racist doctrine that assumes the dehumanization of people of color. Now, in 1763, King George drew a line down the Appalachian Mountains, and he made a proclamation, and he said to the colonists that essentially they no longer had the right of discovery of the empty Indian lands west of Appalachia. This upset the colonists. So a few years later, they wrote a letter of protest. In their letter, they accused the king of raising the conditions of new appropriations of land. They went on in their letter to state he has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages. They signed their letter on July 4th, 1776. Literally 30 lines below the statement, all men are created equal, the Declaration of Independence refers to natives as merciless Indian savages. Very clearly, the only reason our founding fathers used the inclusive term all men is because they had a very narrow definition of who was and who was not human. This, of course, makes our Declaration of Independence a systemically racist document that assumes the dehumanization of native peoples. Now, a few years later, our founding fathers wrote another document. They began this document with the words, we the people in order to form a more perfect union. Of course, this is the Constitution, the preamble to the Constitution of the United States. However, just a few lines later, in the section 
of the Constitution that defines who this document was written for and who is included as a citizen, Article 1, Section 2, it never mentions women, it specifically excludes natives, and it counts Africans as three-fifths of a person. So we the people literally means white landowning men. We have to wrap our head around that. The purpose of the Constitution was to protect the interest to give justice to white landowning men. We have to stop being surprised that women earn 70 cents to the dollar. The Constitution's working. We have to stop being surprised our prisons are filled with people of color. The Constitution's working. We have to not be surprised that in 2010, Congress sided with Citizens United and ruled that corporations now have the same rights as individuals to political free speech. The Constitution is doing exactly what it was designed to do, is protecting the rights of white landowning men. Now maybe you're saying, wait, didn't we correct that? About 100 years later, 1868 around, we passed the 14th Amendment. This is the amendment meant to address Article 1, Section 2. It extended the right of citizenship to anyone born on this continent under the jurisdiction of the government. However, it didn't give women the right to vote. Women didn't get that right until 1920 with women's suffrage. It didn't include natives. We weren't even citizens yet. And even when we did become citizens in 1924, many of our tribes didn't get the right to vote until 1948. So while the 14th Amendment extended the right of citizenship, a few of the rights of citizenship, we still had Jim Crow laws written after that, to a few former male slaves, it left marginalized and disenfranchised these huge segments of our population. And we forget that it was in 1973, this very same amendment, the 14th Amendment, was used in Roe versus Wade when the Supreme Court now concluded unborn babies aren't human, and therefore they can be aborted. What this demonstrates is that the heart of our Constitution is not a value for life. The value, the assumption is dehumanization and the value is for exploitation and profit. This of course makes our Constitution a systemically racist document that assumes the white landowning male has the authority to determine who is and who is not human. In 1823, we had a Supreme Court case, Johnson versus McIntosh. This is two men of European descent. They're litigating over a single piece of land. One of them got the land from a native tribe. The other one got the land from the government. They want to know who owned it. The case goes all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court had to decide the principle upon which land titles were based. They determined the principle was that discovery gave title to the government by whose subject or by whose authority it was made against all other European governments which title might be consummated by possession. They went on to state that essentially based on the doctrine of discovery, natives who are here first, but are less than human, only have the right of occupancy to land, like a fish occupies water or a bird occupies air. And Europeans have the right of discovery to the land and therefore the true title to it. This along with a few other cases during the martial court era, created the legal precedent for land titles. This precedent and the doctrine of discovery 
were referenced by the Supreme Court as recently as 2005. This, of course, makes the United States Supreme Court a systemically racist court that has legal precedent based on the dehumanization of people of color. Okay, and you may not have heard yet where you are in Ukraine, but a multi-billion dollar scandal has just exploded in the United States where a cryptocurrency uh, FTX with yeah you know it now um, one of the extraordinary features of this scandal and it's only hours old is that the Ukrainian government are claimed maybe even are claiming themselves that might explain a few things as Garland Nixon said earlier what money are we put it into into crypto uh, that Biden was given Ukraine money Ukraine was giving the crypto company money and the crypto company was giving donations to Biden if established <laughs> that would be the that would be the mother of all scandals, wouldn't it? Oh my God. Oh my God. I, I'm sorry. Okay. This is breaking now, I assume. Okay. So, ten you see this US guy dollars on the right? To Ukraine. There's, there's a man on the right. Yes, the yes, street. yes, of course. There's two. Yeah, that, that, two that individual is. Um, there's two criminals yeah. sitting next to him Tony Blair and Bill Clinton. Yeah. But it turns yeah, out and that's that the minor criminal on the right with the shorts on may have nicked billions of dollars. Some of which oh my God. he gave $45 million to Joe Biden. My friend's best advice was to stay low I guess it's hard to decipher all of the bills Especially when you got family members on payroll The media said it was outlandish spending The media said he's way out of control I just feel like I'm the only one not pretending I'm not out of control, I'm just not in a control I know I'm the most influential That time cover was just confirmation This generation's closest thing to Einstein so don't worry about me, I'm fine I can see a thousand years from now in real life Skate on a paradigm and shift it when I feel like Control conventional thought, don't need to question I know it's antiquated, so sometimes I get aggressive Thank God for Jay Electra, he down with the mission Did it with no permission, on our own conditions Most blacks with money have been beaten to submission Yeezy with the big house did it way different Never listen to Hollywood but fundamental to your message is it's okay whether re whether left or right if they uh, draw upon their religious heritage as long as they do it as citizens. How has Dr. Robertson not conformed to your definition? The difference is that that, that Pat Robertson happens to be wrong in the implication that he draws from that my point of view. It's not that he doesn't have a right it to do it. It means you don't agree with uh, him. It means that I don't agree with in the public square. That's right.
Why it means that when I read Micah and Amos, I see a focus on the poor. When I read Pat Robinson, I see a focus on the elites. It's a fundamental oh, difference. Uh, Robert, he can I'm take care of himself. Are you aware that uh, I have an organization called Operation Blessing that has fed about 39 million poor black people, that we have taught 300,000 how to read and write, that recently we had an operation in Mississippi that spent $3 million teaching 70,000 primarily poor blacks how to read? What do you mean I don't have an interest in, in, in the poor and the native? That's nonsense. What I mean, Mr. Robinson, is that certainly there's a rich philanthropic tradition of which you are a part, and therefore Very I'm not part. claiming that your concern for the poor is, is absent. I'm talking about your analysis of power and wealth, so that I don't see a focus on the fact that 1% of this population owns 50% of the financial net wealth in this society. I see a defense of an unbridled capitalism in which you promote the very forces that produce the conditions for the need for so philanthropy. You actually That's are, a very important uh, difference. You're for redistributive politics. You're for socialism, essentially. I'm for justice. But I'm not asking, are you for socialism and redistributing of, of the wealth from the rich to the poor? I think it's difficult to generate a theory of justice that could justify two and a half million Americans having eight trillion dollars. Yeah. Well, where do you think the jobs come from in America? I mean, no, who, who we're makes we're the jobs? Well, it's a different discourse. There haven't been a lot of jobs around lately, as you know. When the house of his family's exercise trainer, a man called Harley Pasternak, West apparently suffered some kind of mental break. Pasternak called an ambulance to pick him up. West was taken away, and then he was sedated with at least seven different psychiatric medications, including benzodiazepines, lithium, sleeping pills, and olanzapine. News reports suggested that West had experienced a profound psychiatric episode. He'd gone completely off the deep end. He'd gone crazy, and they've been saying that ever since. West, over time, though, told a very different story. In his telling, after what he'd said on stage in Sacramento, Harley Pasternak was trying to shut him up. Pasternak, he said, was not simply a trainer, but instead an agent of ideological control. Pasternak's job was to keep West from straying from the script, and he's willing to use powerful drugs to do it. That's what he said. But very few people took that claim seriously. In fact, it was exactly the kind of thing a crazy person would say. My trainer drugged me into submission. He's trying to make me into a zombie. Right. Sure he did. Have another olanzapine shot, Kanye. You look tired. So that's where the story stood until the other day. Nobody believes Kanye West. Then West posted something remarkable on Twitter which for some reason virtually all of American media ignored, which is odd because media outlets are not usually in the business of ignoring remarkable things, but they did. And what he posted was a picture of a text exchange that he had had with Harley Pasternak. Pasternak was explaining that West had better stop saying, quote, crazy stuff. In other words, he'd better get back on script or else he would be severely punished. Quote, second option, if you don't shut up, quote, I have you institutionalized again where they medicate the crap out of you and you go back to zombie land forever. Play date with the kids just won't be the same. End quote. Try if you can to imagine a more sinister threat than that. A more chilling threat than that. Do what I say or I will turn your brain to mush. I will destroy your relationship with your own children. I will send you back to quote zombie land forever. Effectively I'll kill you. This is from West's, quote, trainer, not his physician. This is the guy he'd hired to help him do squats. A trainer? Really? Do they talk like that at your gym? Probably not. So what's going on here exactly? 
Well, according to his bio, Harley Pasternak, who was not denied writing these texts, once worked for the Canadian military, where he participated in experiments that measured the effect of various drugs on the human mind. Is that training relevant to this story? We don't know. We do know that based on this text exchange, which again, Harley Pasternak has not said is untrue or fake. On the basis of that, law enforcement agents led the House... Wonder why they want to shut black people. They also were not teetotalers and abolitionists who were opposed to any form of slavery at all. Jews participated in proportionate numbers in both slave trading and in slave owning, especially in some of the Caribbean islands. In fact, if you go to Suriname, they have a beautiful synagogue there that's been preserved with a sand floor and beautiful declarations. You also notice a lot of the street names are named after Jewish families that were prominent uh, plantation owners there, but they own slaves. And if you know anything about the slavery experience in the sugar plantations in Suriname and in Curaçao, it was the most brutal, awful slavery you could imagine. Uh, amputating limbs, uh, working the slaves to death, not even bothering to feed them uh, or care for them in any way because they were cheap to just import more. I mean, it really was uh, some of the worst uh, experiences of slavery to be found, and Jews were a part of that society and a part of that experience, both in the Caribbean and also in the American South. Thank God. I, let me tell you something, once again, thanks so much, Dawda, for inviting me down here, because I never knew, I, let me tell you something, I'm from New York, I never knew that the Mexican people fought for black people to not be enslaved in Texas, man. I never knew it, man. I loved the Mexicans before I got here. I really love you Mexicans now. I'm going out drinking tequila tonight. It's going to be a tequila night tonight. I'm recognizing the Mexicans. Well, when have you read in our history that they love to say Abraham Lincoln fought to free the slave? The Irish fought to free, free the slave, free the slave. You white people always taking credit for something like you're magnanimous or something. You're always portraying yourself as the hero, the big dog. Meanwhile, you have been nothing but a coward and a murderer on this earth. You stole people's ideas, you robbed the nations, you enslaved people, you, you worked the Mexicans into poverty, you stole everything they had. But you portray yourself like you, you, all your movies, all your movies is some tough guy, white boy, saving the innocent, saving the brokenhearted, saving America. And it's all a damn lie. The whole damn Alamo was been a damn lie. Come to find out, we never knew. There's millions of black men across this country, black men and women that don't even know that the Mexicans stood to fight with us when you tried to make Texas a new slave state after slavery was abolished, man. And I bet... So I recently posted a video that described some of the writings of Harold Wallace Rosenthal. And some of the people were like, nah, not really. Like it was totally impossible. I know it sounds so wicked and so demonic that it's hard to believe, but let's just take a look at some of his other quotes from his writings. Let's dig in. Quote number one, 
Most Jews do not like to admit it, but our God is Lucifer and we are his chosen people. Let's continue. We Jews have put issue upon issue to the American people. Then we promote both sides of the issue as confusion reigns. With their eyes fixed on the issue, they fail to see who is behind every scene. We Jews toy with the American public as a cat toys with a mouse. Next, we have castrated society through fear and intimidation. Its manhood exists only in combination with a feminine outward appearance. Being so neutered, the populace has become docile and easily ruled. As gildings in nature, their thoughts are not involved with the concerns of the future and their prosperity, but only with the present toil and the next meal. Anti-Semitism does not signify opposition to Semitism. There is no such thing. It is an expression we use effectively as a smear word used to brand as a bigot like you guys, anyone who brings criticism against Jews. We use it against hate mongers. Let's keep rolling. It is a reality that we have complete control over organized Christianity almost anywhere completely. We Jews must become lawyers so we could control and strangle the courts. We should become teachers and leaders in all the churches. We Jews continue to be amazed with ease by which Christian Americans have fallen into our hands. While the naive Americans wait for, looks like that's crucial to bury them, we have taught them to submit to our every demand. For 40 plus years, they've called this man a hater. They've drugged this man name through the mud. They've canceled him. They've taken him off social media. They've called him a hater constantly, but with a real haters, please stand up. I heard the minister say, you can't fathom the mind of Satan, but if you want to get a peek into his mind, get a peek into his actions, go get this book, The Secret Relationship Between Blacks and Jews. Was taken out, fused together, and two telomere caps were put on each end. Again, this is something done in a laboratory, admitted by mainstream scientists, but they can't figure out who did it. They can only tell you when. Oh, about 200,000 years ago. Well, what do the tablets say? 200,000 years ago is when they first genetically modified the existing hominid on this planet. Harvard scientists in America just discovered that under the most pristine conditions, a human being can live for how many years? 120. Well, it says the same thing in the Bible. It says the same thing in the Sumerian text. This is what all the GMOs and the genetic seeds and, and, the, and the tortured meat and everything else under, and, the, and the pollution, under the most pristine conditions, we should live for 120 years. Now, what they said is, okay, well, why are we dying at 120 years and less? What, what's the reason? That's when they came, and I told you about before, the chromosome number two and the telomere caps. They realized that these telomere caps, which are buff, they store buff material that allows, when your cells and DNA replicate, it allows information to not be lost in the transference, because, you know, your body's consistently regenerating over and over again. But when the buff material in these caps run out, that's when your body starts the death process. So we were capped. They put a cap on us. And if you look at some of the ancient texts, biblical or either Sumerian, uh, emerald tablets, uh, even some of the Indian books, you'll discover that people were living for thousands of years. But what happened? All of a sudden, they stopped living for... These are human beings, not gods. Humans were living for thousands of years. Now, mainstream science would say, oh, it's because they had more oxygen and all this kind of crazy stuff. No, man. We've been genetically modified, just like the seeds on this planet. That's why. So they went and said, okay, let's look at some mice. So they took some mice at Harvard, and they accessed the telomere caps, and they put together a sequence that prevented them from shrinking or losing the buff material. And all of a sudden, these mice lived three, three times their normal lifespan. 
massive amount of information. This is this is very, very important for you to understand. And like I said, on one gram of DNA, 433 petabytes of data. I don't know if you know what a petabyte is, but it's a, it's a massive amount of information. But let's take it to the next step now. Now they have discovered that epigenetic memories can be passed down 14 generations inside of DNA. Memories. So you're wondering why you feel fear of this and fear of that, or you have a phobia of this or a phobia of that, or you feel strongly about this and not so strongly about that. It's not because it runs in your family. It's because it's in your DNA. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is how does this work with the law of attraction? What does DNA have to do with the law of attraction? It has a lot to do with the law of attraction, actually, because the law of attraction uh, is actually initiated through the DNA. When you And how many people here have ever heard somebody say, I get a download? People say, I get a download. Don't laugh at those people because they're really getting the download. I've seen people laugh before and chuckle when people walk away. Let me tell you something. You don't understand quantum. If you think it's funny, you don't understand quantum mechanics. Because just like I told you about you know, DNA being able to be a hard drive, which, by the way, now Microsoft has created the first DNA hard drive that really works. So things like uh, teleportation of biological entities and all that stuff is all becoming a reality because the only thing stopping us was, was storage space. But anyway, scientists have also found out now that DNA sends and receives wireless signals, wireless information. We have a built-in Wi-Fi system in our bodies already. So, and it's this broadcast between 8 to 10 feet away from the human body. So at all times of day, 20, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, we're all downloading information directly from the ether of space-time itself. And what's in the ether of space-time? Remember, a human being can only see on a very small uh, spectrum of light. So what we're seeing right now is literally just part of the hologram. Just part of the hologram. Everything else, there's trillions and trillions of electromagnetic waves passing in you, through you, and out of you at this existing very moment, right now as I'm speaking. That's all everything is, is electromagnetic waves. That's all that really exists besides that consciousness. Those two things collapse together and create what we call matter. So right now, we, can, we can't see these other waves of light, but they're there. But what's happening is that the DNA in your body is, is uh, oscillating at a specific frequency that matches the frequency of a, an electromagnetic wave that's already out there. You can download information from that wave. What do waves carry? They carry information. Electromagnetic waves carry information. What I'm giving you guys is real peer-reviewed science. Write it down and go look it up and research it. What's good? This video right here, I'm making it for black people. That's right, black people. You know how y'all black people look at us and say, damn, why is Chico driving that Why is Amigo having that car? You know how that is? We stick together. Us Hispanics, we work together. We help each other out. As a Hispanic, you know what I have seen with black people? You guys are always trying to compete against each other. We've got the, we've got the better car, we've got the better, the better truck, we've got the better. Always comparing each other's shit. Always trying to fight each other. Always trying to put each other down. Y'all don't, you need to work together. Like us Hispanics do. That's the difference between Hispanics and black people. That's why a Hispanic starts a business. Most of the time, he's successful. Because he's not doing it all by himself. He's got help. We work together. Y'all black people need to do that. Stick together. Help each other out. Stop the f***ing competing. That's not helping. Peace. In the world, I stay tuned to the famous podcast. It's the hottest message out there.
But I'm always chilling. I'm always tuning in to stay. He has the hottest podcast out there. Go listen. Very informative. When I'm home, Chilla, I'm always tuned in to Faze. He has the hottest podcast out here. When I'm home, chilling the ride, I stay tuned to the Faze podcast. It's the hottest message out there. And when I'm at the spot just chilling, or when my car just driving around, I always use the phase to keep it real. This thing was real. And that's one of the hottest podcasts around. I definitely suggest it. Check them out. We just talk, can't we just talk, talk about where we're coming, before we get lost, let me your thoughts, can't get what we do without knowing. For Jackie, right? How are you? What's up? Completely inappropriate. Oh, you're a fucking asshole. Saw on camera, man. Saw on camera. You guys threatened me. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Wow. Because you guys are racist. Yeah. No, no, I'm calling the cops on you, man. It's all on camera. That India used to be called. Long, long, long time ago, Eastern Ethiopia. What? Everybody knows that, right? No. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> you also probably heard there's a big river in India called Ganges. Okay. To be frank, till Two years back, I did not know what the meaning of the word Ganges. I simply know Ganges is Ganges. Do you know the name Ganges is one of the strongest and famous emperors of Ethiopia? That's right. Do you think uh, some crazy Aryans would name a big river in India after an Af African uh, emperor? Would not. Simple logic says that. In southern part of India, a particular god is being worshipped by the local people. His name is uh, Murugan. He 
is always on top of the hill. And you go back to Eastern Africa, even today, for more than 25 tribals worship a god which is on the hill. His name is Murungu. And obviously there's no connection between these two people over 7,000, 8,000, 10,000 years. So I'm trying to bridge the gap. There is a distinct and clear connection between the ancient India and the ancient Africa. So to ensure that this document, this revised document, would not be worm-eaten. What did Shabaka do? He had it written on a block of stone, basalt, which is one of the hardest stones uh, on the planet. And that stone is now in the British Museum. It's known as the Shabaka Stone. And the significance of the Shabaka Stone is that it records the oldest story of Genesis ever written by human beings. An African story about the beginning, about the Neturu, creating that a nature creating the nature who created the world so it's taking genesis back uh further than you can ever imagine so this is deep spiritual thought man this is deep science uh and this is what the kushites reintroduced into kemet during the 25th dynasty uh and it is what uh jan asman in his book the mind of egypt referred to as the first renaissance in history the first restoration of ancient African traditions in world history occurred during the 25th dynasty. And what these Africans from Kush did was they reached back into their ancestral memory at least 2,000 years and brought forth some of the most significant texts of the Old Kingdom. I talked to Brother Tupac, the youngster, um, two days before he was killed. The rift between me and Biggie, that ain't real. He said, they created that. But then the next thing he said to me, he said, Prime, what me and Biggie want to do is take control of distribution of rap music. I said, oh boy, do you know what you're going up against? Do you understand the organized criminal networks you're going up against and the two major ethnic groups that run it? He said, yeah, we do. I said, well, you and Biggie can't do no shit like this. He said, we're not alone. We are organizing other young rappers. And he was dead within 48 hours of that conversation I had with him. You heard Michael Jackson calling some people off. He was trying to tell you. Sam Cooke was calling them off before Sam was murdered. He was trying to tell us way back then, 1964. But we haven't been listening because we didn't have enough people in this thing to really see. But history was erased the mystery. Oh, I also want to judge Kanye. Study the history of the music industry. Did you know that Gaddafi gave $300 million and the other African nations gave $100 million to put up a satellite so that we who call Africa don't have to go through Europe to get to Africa? And Europe was getting $500 million a year just by our telephone calls to the continent. Now we can call directly to Africa, and that 500 million is in the hands of African people. Did you know that Muammar Gaddafi was setting up an African development bank? 
with $70 billion in the African Development Bank from Libyan oil money. That we would not have to borrow money from the IMF and the World Bank at these exorbitant rates. Kanye exposing them again. again where they medicate the crap out of you and you go back to zombie land forever play date play date with the kids just won't be the same this is the way a hollywood a hollywood trainer was talking to me to force me to go and like apologize right the Ghana city hit a new low against the US dollar. And in my opinion, the city wasn't killed, it was murdered. And I think I found this smoking gun, and it's called the ESG scores. Let me explain to you what happened. Over the past 10 years, the currency of Ghana has been stable and well run. Yet in February of 2022, around Valentine's Day, they got hit on two major fronts. The first was the Ukrainian war, which limited the supply of certain raw goods and materials. That didn't help. But the big thing that happened in February was that the credit rating agencies of the world, the S&Ps, the Moody's, all in unison lowered the Ghanaian credit rating significantly from mid-risk to very, very high risk. And the reason that they cited wasn't that the country wasn't well run or that they didn't have good working capital. No, the reason was they had a low ESG score. Now, if you don't know what that is, that's environmental social governance. Basically, the banks of the world said, well, Ghana is not doing what we're telling them to do with regards to environment and social policy. Therefore, we're going to make it much more expensive for them to borrow money. Now, Ghana's big mistake was they were a little bit over-reliant on overseas investors because it's easy, right? When you have overseas investors that'll give you hundreds of billions of dollars at a low interest rate, that's very tempting to take, yet it comes with golden handcuffs. And this is what Ghana is finding out, that when they tried to, for instance, restrict mining in their countries so that Western companies couldn't go and just strip mine every single place and pollute the water, well, they'll just decide that, well, we don't think that your social governance is proper, so we're gonna make your interest rate go up 2%, 3%, 4%, and make it very hard for you to afford to refinance debt. And when one, uh, one, one credit bureau starts doing it, or one rating agency starts doing it, suddenly they all follow in unison, and it becomes a big gang up on a single currency. I think that Ghana is going to have to come to a crossroads, and they're going to have to decide, do they want to have these golden handcuffs, or do they want to break from Western finance and start to create their own liquidity within their country. I think that's something that they're going to need to do if they want to be free of Western control. So what do you guys think? Should Ghana take steps to improve their ESG scores? And even if that means that they're giving into Western powers, 
or should they just simply break from Western financing? It's a really tough call because it's hard to establish lending markets in a country when you've been reliant on overseas investors for so long, like countries like Turkey are finding out. But let me know in the comments below. Math and reading scores in American public schools have fallen dramatically in the past two years, and it can't all be blamed on the pandemic. Wall Street Journal is reporting something that could have big impacts on the real estate industry, particularly in areas like Washington, D.C., where the prices of our houses are dependent on the school ratings. For instance, are you going to spend half a million dollars more for a property when your kid's not getting adequate results? Wouldn't you rather put that money into a private school or maybe even consider homeschooling? Five years ago, I would tell you that's crazy. The public school system is always going to be the dominant force in real estate valuations. But talking to parents, talking to my clients, and reading stuff like what I'm reading in the Wall Street Journal makes me think that the real estate market could change and that valuations on property will become more dependent on the quality of the house, the quality of the area, and access to jobs as opposed to simply being uh, valued by the school that the house is assigned to. So I'm curious what you guys think. Would you as a parent uh, consider going to private school or homeschooling if it meant that you had to spend less money for the house to buy yourself into a good public school? Let me know what you think in the comments below. And if this video has been of value to you, be sure to give me a like and a follow. That really helps the channel out. And I'll see you guys on the next video. Math and reading scores in American public schools have fallen dramatically in the past two years, and it can't all be blamed on the pandemic. Wall Street Journal is reporting something that could have big impacts on the real estate industry, particularly in areas like Washington, D.C., where the prices of our houses are dependent on the school ratings. For instance, are you going to spend half a million dollars more for a property when your kid's not getting adequate results? Wouldn't you rather put that money into a private school or maybe even consider homeschooling? Five years ago, I would tell you that's crazy. The public school system is always going to be the dominant force in real estate valuations. But talking to parents, talking to my clients, and reading stuff like what I'm reading in the Wall Street Journal makes me think that the real estate market could change and that valuations on property will become more dependent on the quality of the house, the quality of the area, and access to jobs as opposed to simply being uh, valued by the school that the house is assigned to. So I'm curious what you guys think. Would you as a parent uh, consider going to private school or homeschooling if it meant that you had to spend less money for the house to buy yourself into a good public school? Let me know what you think in the comments. So let's see if we can clear up the confusion. The term Jew during the expulsions of the Jews from Europe all of a sudden became a political and religious term versus Yehuda or Yehudi which carries a ethnic connotation. This is why James Gray Jackson wrote in his book about the Western Sudan, travel south of the Barbary, quote, Yehudi, a great place of trade. This place is reported to be inhabited by one of the lost tribes of Israel, possibly an immigration from the tribe of Judah. Yehuda in African Arabic signifies Judah. Yehudi signifies Jew. It is certain that some of the nations that possess the country eastward of Palestine, where the Israelites were a favorite nation, have immigrated to Africa. So with all these facts being presented about the Jews being African, then the obvious question is raised. 
What about Jesus, right? If the Jews are black, then wouldn't Jesus be black also? Well, let's take a quick look at the Messiah of the Bible. It doesn't matter which depiction that mainstream Christianity presents, whether it's the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Fabio Jesus, or the Syrian-Palestinian Jesus, or the Turkic Greg Caviezel Jesus. All these are diversions to the truth that's clearly no one wants to tell us why discipline is so important. Discipline is one of the greatest forms of self-love. It's ignoring current pleasures for future rewards. And it's loving yourself enough to do what needs to be done in the pursuit of what was meant for you. So yesterday I posted a video which basically said fuck Nike and it was based off of the response by the CEO of Nike on why he departed the, decided to part ways with Kyrie because he crossed the line. Words he said crossed the line. First he never said anything and then his whole demeanor looked dismissive as if he can just get rid of somebody that's from our culture that we value. And I said to myself I've invested a lot of money in Nike. You know, I have over probably 200 pair of Nikes in my house. And he didn't think about what I thought. He didn't think about what this culture thought. He made a decision and he went with it because he felt like that black man was expendable. And I said, if he can part ways with Kyrie, then I should be able to part ways with him. Because if he's willing to give up millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that he would make off of a partnership with Kyrie, then I should be able to sacrifice me not spending my money with somebody. If somebody is willing to not make millions of dollars, then I should be able to not spend thousands with them. You know, so that's a conscious decision I make. And I hope there's a lot of people that feel the exact same way I do. But the reality of the situation, I understand that everybody is not going to go as hard as I am. It's going to be some of us that say, fuck everything. And for those, that's what I want. That's what the ultimate goal is. But right now, I want to start in increments. I want us to understand that Black Friday is coming. One of the biggest spending days in black history, right? Black Friday, they call it Black Friday because blacks go out and spend all their money. And I want during this Black Friday that black people don't spend a dime with Nike. I want, I want you to make sure that they understand that you can't just dismiss somebody from our culture. You can't just be racially biased and, and, and intent to just dismiss and, and degrade somebody from our culture without even uh, without flinching, right? So we got to let them know there are consequences when you do things to us. The same way that you can part with us, we can part with you. So I'm asking you, for this holiday season, do not buy one thing that look like Nike. I don't give a fuck with a pair of socks. I don't care anything. Let Nike understand that black people have power and they don't call it Black Friday for nothing. They don't call us liquid money for nothing because we go out and purchase at higher rates than anybody. So what I want us to do is make sure that we invest in black-owned shoe companies, which I will be posting. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to post a link where you can go to the top 10. I'm going to post pictures and, and, and links and to different... If you have links to black-owned shoe companies, sneaker companies, please send them to me because I want to make sure that not only do we boycott Nike, but we buy cut our own. We buy things on our own. We make sure that we, we invest in our own. So make sure that you make a conscious decision that this holiday season, Nike is going to understand your power. 
Even if you can't do it for the rest, I hope that after you see how powerful you are as a black person, how powerful your dollar is, and how you see those numbers start dropping, I hope when you see it, then you recognize that we have we have tri- we have over a trillion dollars in spending power. And I want you to see how powerful that is. This 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 black this whole holiday, I want you to not put one dollar in Nike. Invest in your own companies and watch how that money start reciprocating and how we can build our own shit and they can't dismiss us at that point. So if you if you really say that you if you are who you say you are and you really love black people for real and you want the same power and respect that other cultures got because they can dismiss us and they can change your dynamics of your, your household and your finances dramatically, you then you really want to do that, then you show your own power today. You shift the power. Not only are we going to divest from somebody, we're going to shift this power and we're going to start investing in our own generation of wealth. Here we are going into the Christmas holiday, Thanksgiving. You got a lot of brothers and sisters who are unplugging. They don't want to celebrate pagan satanic holidays because it's not of the most high. We have learned the root and the origins of these holidays. We have learned that Christmas is giving reference to the winter Saturnalia. We understand the pagan roots and impositions that come with it, implications that come with Christmas. We get it. We know we know what Santa Claus is, aka Satan's agreement. We are we, we're understanding what these holidays represent. We understand that Thanksgiving represent the mass genocide of the North American Indians. We understand that there was a day of bloodshed that our oppressors have celebrated. And we don't want anything to do with these holidays, right? Because we're waking up. Why is it that friends, family, colleagues are beginning to slander? They're beginning to backbite. They're beginning to isolate. They're beginning to criticize. They're beginning to show a great deal of hatred towards these select few people who don't want nothing to do with those holidays why is that because when you think about it in the grand scheme of things it really doesn't matter it shouldn't matter if I decide not to follow a pagan holiday how is it hurting anyone that you decided that you don't want to celebrate those holidays why are these individuals holding such concern to you going your own way doing what you got to do I tell you why because they needed your energy because even when you had one foot in and one foot out the most high God have chosen you and your very presence was keeping them secure in their wrongdoing because if you're celebrating these holidays you are a pagan you are a heathen it is what it is the information is out there the information has been circulating everywhere why is it such a big deal if these set apart people don't want nothing to do with it in the grand scheme of things why does it matter to you i tell you why because you're narcissistic you have made a covenant with satan you have made an agreement with satan to uphold his hell days his feast days you have consciously chosen To disregard the holy days written up in the Bible. And now that those family members who bear the light, who are waking up, who want to be set apart, 
is that 99% of everything that we know <coughs> is a true. And there's a whole world of occult or hidden knowledge that has been hidden from the eyes of the people of the world and has become the property of a handful of people who feel that this kind of legitimate occult knowledge is on a need-to-know basis and they don't figure you need to know. So consequently, and I understand that thinking, but <clears throat> I would suggest that you think about the principle that if you, say, have a two-story building and you're going to put a lot of weight on the second floor, you're going to bring in big computers or printing presses or whatever, uh, the smart thing to do, if you're wise, before you bring in any heavy weight, you might want to go downstairs, get a tall ladder, and hire someone who knows what they're doing, and go up through the ceiling tiles and look at the foundation of the floor you're going to put this weight on to see if it's going to carry it. <clears throat> so what you have done, because of your intelligence, you have you're standing under the foundation you're going to build on. This is the concept of standing under to get understanding. If you don't understand the basis of the things you believe, you're going to be you're going to be taught all kinds of things. You need to do your homework. You need to go back to the beginning of all things and do not take anything for granted. Mr. Parmer, Mr. Manley Hall once quipped that uh, always trust a person looking for the truth. Don't ever trust the one who's found it. Because the universe is not only stranger than you imagine, it's stranger than you can imagine. And one, <clears throat> one lecturer one time made a statement that stuck with me. He says, if you can discuss with a large audience something about God so that everyone can understand what you're saying and that would prove conclusively that you don't know anything because any God that your pea brain ignorant ill-informed unread intellect can understand cannot be that great power that has divinely ordained the universe what you need to understand is we have no comprehension at all of the divine the world is far, far bigger and deeper than you suspect. Our lineage as humans go back hundreds of thousands, and if Michael Kramer is right, perhaps even millions of years. We're discovering now <coughs> civilizations that have existed for probably hundreds of thousands of years that we just were not privy to know about. I believe that these are the days in which the Bible calls the days of the meeting out of justice. What goes around comes around. And it's a time in which the, the powers of the universe are going to enlighten mankind whether they're ready or not. <clears throat> and I'm, unfortunately, I don't think there are too many people in the world who are ready for the very near future that's coming. Creating our reality in various ways. For example, if we have developed a distrust of people due to unfavorable past experiences, then our outer world will be filled with untrustworthy people. The next person's inner world is full of trust, therefore their outer world seems to be filled with trustworthy people. 
Therefore, you can work on your inner world to improve your outer world. Question your perceptions, beliefs, and programming and perform healing. As above, so below, and as within, so without, this pattern is present on all levels. Movement is everywhere. It is a law of our reality that everything is constantly in motion. Nothing stays still. Tesla was quoted as saying, if you wish to understand the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. The principle of vibration also applies to us and our own energies and emotions. Our reality also manifests according to our vibration. The one infinite being of creation knows our thoughts, the vibration of our emotions and our feelings, and brings us the experience to match all for our learning and experience. Nothing is at rest. Take an atom and its fundamental particles. It's constantly vibrating. Look at the kinetic theory of matter. The molecules within a solid vibrate. In a liquid, they too vibrate, moving and sliding around each other. The molecules in a gas have space between them and move around even more. Heat something up and the atoms vibrate even faster. Entropy describes how, given time, everything declines gradually into disorder through movement. A statue, for example, will eventually wear away into dust. An abandoned city will ultimately return to nature. Perhaps this is disorder from our point of view, but in reality, things return to their natural state through constant movement and change. The unified field the one energetic information field of our reality is said to consist of waves of probability, waves that vibrate at a certain frequency. The electromagnetic spectrum involves vibration of certain wavelengths, some we can perceive, for example, visible light, and others we can't, such as UV light and radio waves. Regarding our emotions and our own vibrational state, the Kabbalion says, they teach that all manifestation of thought, emotion, reason, will or desire, or any mental state or condition, are accompanied by vibrations, a portion of which are thrown off and which tend to affect the minds of other persons by induction. This is the principle which produces the phenomena of telepathy. But for the sake of curiosity, let's assume all heads of states and presidents get with the program. What are the changes that must then happen after the birth of the United States of Africa? The United States of Africa calls for one continental figurehead. All the 54 presidents would resign and there would only be one leader ruling the entire federation. We are not sure how this leader would be elected though. All we know for now is that there would be one president, one parliament, and one legislative process. Visas, scratch that. After the United States of Africa is declared a theme, an African Union passport would immediately replace the assisted nationally issued passports. 
The passport changes everything completely. It relaxes travel restrictions and exempts Africans from having to obtain visas for all 54 states. Upon full rollout of the passports to citizens, we would be able to travel from the eastern region of Africa to the northern side without any need for visas. At the moment in Africa, there are more than 50 different currencies. Every country has their own unique legal tender. With the United States of Africa, though, there would be a single currency. You know how in Europe, Euro is the currency used with the exception of just a few countries, right? Yeah, Africa would also be adopting a single currency when the integration happens. Though the institutional challenges are much more greater in Africa than Europe, Africa might pull this off flawlessly. The successful implementation of one currency would ease the cost of business and decrease trading barriers. Continental Army The new federal system would match the military forces of all 54 nations into one, one strong militia, which would be the largest army in the world. All of this alongside other necessary changes like a new flag and a new national anthem would mark the beginning of this new federation. While countries like Ghana and Senegal still nurse the dream of this amalgamation, other African countries are moving past that ambition. But this is a warning to the capitalists, to this government of fat cats, that the workers in this country are prepared to march forward to a democratic South Africa and to socialism. This is a warning to the capitalists, to this government of fat cats, that the workers in this country are prepared to march forward to a democratic South Africa and to socialism. This you know, this is the this is the obsession of, of people who are in fact opposed to our liberation. Surely we can't sit there and and and, and, and jaw apartheid forever because we don't want to receive weapons from anybody. We'll take weapons from the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union supports the struggle against colonialism. That's why they give us this assistance when we ask for it. And we have to fight a war. If nobody is going to give us weapons, the Soviet Union is gratefully willing to give us weapons. But what does it matter that the weapons come from the Soviet Union? What does it matter? Why did the West go into alliance with the Soviet Union in World War II? Why? Same Soviet Union. Who contributed to the defeat of
need Leaving my emotions on my sleeve Focus on my goals so I can achieve Riches to spend, miles to feed On my knees saying please No time to cope out, no one to talk to So I gotta do what I gotta do Can I ride or something? Can I have a little something? Can I roll a little something? Look at me, I ain't front Say what you wanna say, believe what you wanna believe Do what you wanna do that's how the world view you Can I try a little something? Can I make a little something? Can I keep a little something? Can I save a little something? Can I try a little something? Can I make a little something? Can I keep a little something? Can I save a little something? Can I try a little something? Can I make a little something? Can I keep a little something? Look at me, I ain't frightened Roll up the clip, brother done flip This a little tip before I hit you in your lip Take a little chip, have your little nip before you get your ass ripped, singing like a ship, is this a blip? Run around on a mad trip, fuck around and get your ass kicked with no guilt. You're invisible to the naked eye, and look into the sky, asking God why. Can I die? Dead dreams don't fly. Let me break it down to the new sound. I'm not playing around, I'm making much, much pound. Focus on my riches and I want it now. Say what you want to say, believe what you want to believe, do what you want to do. You wanna be, you ain't shit, that's how the world view you. Can I try a little something? Can I make a little something? Can I keep a little something? Can I save a little something? Can I try a little something? Can I make a little something? Can I keep a little something? Can I save a little something? Can I try a little something? Can I make a little something? Can I keep a little something? Look at me, I ain't frontin'. We want you to marinate on this. If you feel this.